Hello and welcome to the Unfiltered Experience with Tara and Louisa. We are two girls who speak the truth about the struggle of never feeling enough whilst growing up in a world of filters and comparison. Here we will have raw, relatable and authentic conversations to empower you on your path to self-development. Come with us on the journey of unlearning. Hello and welcome back if you're listening to episode six. Today we're going to go into our relationship with and our journey with body image. A big one. Yeah. We're just going to preface this and say this is one of our episodes where we share simply our unfiltered experience. Mm. We by no means have healed these beliefs and the issues with our body image, but instead we wanted to be vulnerable and share our experience because we know a lot of other women and men deal with beliefs around comparison and body image. And so, yeah, I guess we just want to share our experience so people feel heard and they know other people are going through it. I think there's a lot of power in a group problem. Mm. You know, we just hope you'll find maybe a solution in in feeling heard and, and that you can relate. Yeah, I think identifying is a really powerful concept and being able to say hashtag me too. Yeah, <laughs> me too. It's the most important thing that we say when it comes to connection. Absolutely. And I think that this issue, whether I was honest with myself about it or not, mm. it has been something I've struggled with my whole life. There's been periods of time where I've been willing to look at it and periods of time where I haven't. And thank God we're in a period of time where I'm <laughs> a little bit willing to talk about it. Yeah. Because it can feel really shameful sometimes to have these belief systems about ourselves that we have you know, this dark side where we don't love ourselves or we or we compare ourselves to other people or we're really deeply embarrassed about who we are, that can be really shameful to talk about and really hard to talk about. And I know for me, if I had have heard someone share their experience, like I still remember the first time I had someone share their experience with me about body image and me just feeling so much less alone mm. in that time and just wishing that – you know, maybe earlier in my life I'd had a some more exposure, but that was one thing that I really admired about social media for a period of time where people were mm. being really vulnerable about yeah. their body and showing the parts that most people will filter out or blur or, you know, edit. And for me being exposed to that was really healing in my journey. It, in some ways opened me up to actually acknowledging that that was how I felt about myself, which maybe I couldn't put words to or I couldn't put labels to. I just knew that I didn't feel comfortable in my body, but I didn't know why. And when people started to explain about what it was around beauty standards and pop culture and all of this sort of stuff that was influencing me, I didn't realize that it was having such a major impact until people could nail that down. And I think that Awareness can have some really positive aspects to it, but then the negative is that you're aware, which holds you accountable. It's bittersweet. So my body image story started way back in primary school Mm. and I still remember, oh my God, I can't believe I'm going to share these stories on this. I remember doing a cartwheel at school and and my top came up a little bit and someone made a comment about me being fat And I think maybe I was in grade two or three and I still remember the the feeling of shame that I felt when that person said that to me. And 
I then carried that with me for a while where I was like hiding my stomach and I felt like, you know, that there was a part of me that was like not accepted by others or there was something that I should be embarrassed about. And then a really close family member had really encouraged me to start exercising in fear of me putting on weight because they had put on weight when they were young. Wow. And yeah, as a kid, like doing boot camp on the weekend and going on bike rides and, you know, don't eat this and don't eat that. Like it really cemented a belief system in my brain that I'm not worthy if I don't act a certain way, if I don't look a certain way, if I don't eat a certain way, Mm. I need to do these things to be okay or to be accepted or to be loved because I really admired this person. And I feel like when you really admire someone, you want their approval And I just so desperately wanted their approval. So I would do what they said and hear what they would say to other people. And, you know, this person worked at the gym and they were very involved and active in their lifestyle. And they were really acting from a place of their own shame because they were shameful of the way they looked when they were a child Mm. and they were projecting that shame onto me. And that was my early experience of being exposed to what it felt like to hate my body. See, yeah, that to me is just heartbreaking for a little child to create those beliefs. And that's the thing when we're kids, like we're a sponge. Mm. We're so sensitive to our environment and to what people say and what people do. And no wonder, you know, you've carried that as an adult. For me, my experience as a child was a little bit different. Genetically, I'm ectomorphic, which means I struggle to put on weight. Mm. And a lot of people, you know, say, oh, how lucky are you, whatever, which I am. I'm so grateful for those, that genetic pull that I've been granted. Like, by no means am I complaining about that. I feel very lucky that that's not something I've had to deal with yet. Mm. But what I want to highlight is that regardless of your weight, for me, I still battle with the belief that I'm not enough physically mm. and because and not saying oh you know being skinny is a de- the desired like is the end goal because it's not I look at people with curvier bodies and feel the exact same way that people that want to lose weight feel like I feel that intense shame and feeling of not enough and I think what I want to talk about is that it's, a, it's not about how I look. It's not about how we look mm. that is the problem. It's our belief system that we associate with our physical appearance because if it was about that, I'd be secure or you'd be secure or whatever. Yeah, I think it's important to highlight that it's an internal job healing from body image beliefs because as a woman, I sort of grew up feeling that if I looked good, I was worthy. Mm. There was some sort of unconscious messages passed down to me that, you know, when my hair's brushed and I'm wearing nice clothes, I'm valuable and I'm respectable. But because of my low self-esteem, that was amplified to another degree. Whereas an adult, if I feel unattractive, I feel worthless. And that's heartbreaking like that is not how I want to live as an adult but it's something that comes up for me especially when we're embarking on summer in Australia it's September which means summer is coming up and instantly I'm flooded with I have to wear a bikini I need to do exercise to put on weight and have a bum and because 
genetically I'm flat. <laughs> no, like it's okay. I, I have I'm I'm a pencil, you know, and that's that's and for some people they want to be a pencil, mm. but I'm a pencil. And I want to be, I want to have an ass. You and I want to be, be curvy. I want to be, I look at girls with these great, yeah, like apple shaped or pear shaped bodies. And I am so jealous, mm. overcome with this belief of embarrassment for my body and thinking when my boyfriend touches me, oh, he's going to be like, there's nothing to grab. Mm. And it's all the same thing. And whatever manifestation that it comes out of, as women and, and as men too, I'm sure they deal with it. But I, I mean, because I'm a, a woman, like I see it in us and with social media and Instagram and filters and BBLs and Kim Kardashian and all this industry that's based around you need this to be enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I just want to really highlight because I remember when I first met you, being so jealous of the way you looked because I would just been introduced to calorie counting. I just realized that, you know, if you eat a certain way, you can control the way you look. And I was really, really vulnerable to this Mm. desired body that was being portrayed to me, which was a thin body. Mm. And when I met you, I remember being so jealous of the way you looked. And then I remember making those sort of comments to you, like, you should be grateful, like, you should feel lucky. Mm. And hearing you say those comments back to me, I really understand Mm. where you come from and, and where we've gone wrong as a society as by saying skinny women should be happy with the way they look. Like, I feel like everybody should be happy with the way we look. Like that's the end goal, right? Mm. Is to full, to be, to find full acceptance in who we are. But I think we really discount the fact that people who are thin may not want to be mm. and can't control that either. The same way people that are overweight can't lose weight. No, absolutely. And I think as well, it's very, from my experience, and I'm not trying to be like, oh, poor me, but it is common for people as a girl that's been on the thinner side for people to say, oh, you look really skinny oh, or you look too skinny. Yep. Whereas you should if eat some- something. Yeah. Yep. Whereas if someone's bigger, they're not going to necessarily comment on that mm-hmm. if they've put on weight because, you know, that's an awful thing to say to someone. I know yep. people do, but. But I have witnessed firsthand people say this to you often mm. and it really grinds my gears because I think <laughs> why, like you're actually insulting her as well the same way you would insult an overweight person by going up to them and calling them fat. Yeah. Like it's not okay. And Mm. we as a friendship group have decided that we just don't comment on each other's bodies anymore because of that. Well, I think complimenting someone dependent on what's going on with their weight sets the wrong message Yeah, because ideally we move towards a place where that's irrelevant Mm. just like it's irrelevant for someone's race to comment on someone's race sexuality or gender Mm -hmm. it should be irrelevant whether they're losing or gaining weight too yes and for me it's tough with social media when the beauty industry is built upon profiting off our insecurities i am a sucker for it i've got to tell you i have had a really tough 24 hours Mm. and when I'm in this space of feeling not good enough and unworthy when those beliefs are triggered 
I'm a sucker for buying things to mm. feel better. I've bought toner. I've put clothes on Afterpay mm-hmm. in the last 24 hours uh, with money I don't have, yep. you know, and it's all coming from this place of if I look externally better, I am enough. I feel better about myself. Mm. And it's all smoke and mirrors because mm. what really has to change is what I believe about myself. When I'm in a space of self-esteem and self-worth and I'm aligned with my spirituality and I feel in like a frequency of love, I don't care about how I look. Mm. You know, it's like when I am trying to control a behavior, when I am obsessed around a behavior, I'm always falling short. Absolutely. It's the same when you go to the gym. When you're going to the gym constantly, day in, day out, and eating all healthy and whatever, and you don't, you're like, I can't see results. But when you're not going to the gym, you're like, God, I look all right. When I <laughs> look back at photos of me when I was doing some work with a personal trainer, I'm like, that is the desired bum that I've always wanted and you were unhappy and I was so unhappy Mm -hmm. then because I was obsessed and I was constantly thinking I'm not enough I'm not at the level that I want to be at and I could I was seeing myself through this lens of lack Mm. and now I look back and I'm able to see how beautiful my body was back then 100% I feel exactly the same and a little bit more into my story was like Obviously, I went into using drugs for a period of time and that really controlled the way that my body looked and Mm. the way, I guess, for me throughout that period, without going into it too much, I think I I don't believe that I had really prevalent body image issues prior to using drugs. And I don't think I used drugs to suppress those feelings of the way I felt about my body exactly, but it definitely helped. And the way I looked and felt when I was using, I felt comfortable with who I was. I went into recovery in my late teens and I put on a lot of weight really quickly and that frightened me. Yeah. And so when I went, when I ended up relapsing again, I did, I used drugs to lose weight and Mm. I noticed that I didn't like what the way I looked when I wasn't on drugs. And when I came into recovery this time, and I've been clean for nearly six years, I went so hard the other way that I deprived myself. So instantly day one, I was in the gym. I was only eating things that were low carb. I was only allowing myself a dessert once a week. You know, I was very, very strict. Mm. And that was when I was introduced to calorie counting. And I feel like the way I treated my body and the way I took the extreme to the bitter ends to look a certain way, I was never happy. Like I look back now and I looked the best I think I'd ever looked in my whole life because I was training and I was eating and I was so committed to this physique that I wanted, but it was a bottomless pit. There was nothing I could have done in that time that would have made me appreciate the way that I looked because it was an inside job. Like it came from within. And I think that... I remember even people commenting on the way I looked when I was using drugs and they used to say, you know, like they'd say to you, you're so thin, like I wish I looked like you, like you're so lucky. And I remember feeling so much shame because I was like, if only you knew how much self-harm I've put myself through to look like this, 
it's not something to be proud of. It's not something that I wear as a badge of honor. I'm actually ashamed that my self-esteem is so low that I've run myself this far to look like this. And I carried Mm. that from when I was using into my recovery and it was sad. Oh, and that's the, that is why commenting on how people look physically when it comes to weight is so dangerous because when people when you are rewarded by society for disordered eating Mm -hmm. and self-harm literally self-harm if you don't have good people around you that care and love you Mm. or the ability to be honest with yourself that can end really badly like that is a really dark place to be when you're rewarded for a unhealthy part of you. Like, why would you stop it? Yeah, it's encouraging. It's encouraging the yeah. behavior. And, yeah. and that's it's the opposite to self-love. And I remember going through like a self-development journey with a therapist and kind of discarding all the things in my life that were causing me harm. Yeah. So whether it be the work, the relationship, social media, smoking, all of these like things that were unloving in my life, like it was starting to remove them one by one and learning to be okay with that and learning how to navigate life without this external stuff to make me feel better. And I remember thinking the way I eat and the way I train is the most unloving thing I can do for myself. Mm. Like it is not aligned with spiritual principles. It is not aligned with self-love and it's absolutely not aligned with the way I want to live my life. Mm. And that's when I guess I started to kind of heal from it. There's this thing called orthorexia, which I fell into another trap, which was another thing that we got praised for because it was like, Mm you know, you're so fit, you're so healthy, you eat such nutritious food, you're so health conscious, like you're going to live a long fulfilling life because you treat your body so well and you're so aware of all the things that make you feel good. Mm. And I was like, little do you know how much I deprive myself to be like this? Like it's not, it's it's disguised as healthy, but it's actually really unhealthy. There's so much that is disguised as healthy. It's all about the motivation. Totally. What is the motivation behind the behavior? Mm. And that's where the truth lies Mm. around whether it should be continued or not. Mm. I've had this experience where when I'm overeating and I'm eating a lot of food, I see myself as valuable and loving, so the opposite way. Mm. And when I'm not hungry and not eating, I see myself as ugly, Mm. you know, unattractive. And I have had, I just want to share this because I've had the exact same experience. Our relationship very much has been a mirror to our own beliefs because we have had the opposite experience where I want to look like Tara and and then Tara wants to look like me. And it's like this mirror held up of what we need to heal about ourselves. Mm. It's so interesting how like the universe puts people in your path like that Mm. because it's actually really healing seeing your perspective and then it's probably healing for you seeing my perspective that the way we think isn't the truth. Yes. The way we think about ourselves is coming from a place of trauma and history rather than a place of reality because the skinnier I am and the less less of the number is on the scales, the worse I feel about myself. Mm. And for you, it's the opposite. Yeah. And the thing is, it'll manifest itself in any area of our lives. And I remember learning 
about how if one thing is really bothering you, like there's one thing that you really dislike about yourself, that might be true. Like you might actually dislike it. But when we dislike everything Mm. and it's absolutely tainted our whole perspective of ourselves, we can just see it as a manifestation of our trauma Mm. because it's actually not specific. So this body image stuff, yeah, it resonates in the way we see our body, but it'll resonate in the way we see our hair, the way we see our fingernails, the what shoes we wear. Oh, that girl's got better pants than me. You know, it, it'll come up everywhere and that makes it more easy to see that it's actually just a state of mind. Oh, even like personality shame. Oh, I'm not funny enough yeah. or I'm not supportive enough or yeah. whatever the story is. Yeah. It's always about I go into those spaces now when something else is triggered for me. I have a direct relationship between getting triggered by stuff that's happened to me in the past in in a past relationship and when that trigger comes up the way I speak to myself afterwards for like the next 24 hours Mm -hmm. sometimes two to three days is really dark and really self-harmful and yeah if anything it's interesting to watch the pattern of our thoughts and when and why they come up. So I now know if that sort of a trigger happens from a past relationship, I know, okay, I know what I'm in for. And even though it's still painful, I know why there's a why. And that often is quite soothing. Whereas when it just comes out of nowhere and you've got sort of no awareness around why we think about ourselves like this, it can be really, it can feel like it's going to be like that forever. It also can be triggered about where you are on your cycle. Mm. It is, I read this book, Period Queen by Lucy Peach. When we are ovulating and we are in our week after our period, the two weeks after our period are our most self-loving weeks. So when we're ovulating, we see ourselves as beautiful. We have good hormones running through our body. We're ready to mate. We're confident. We're empowered. The week before our period and often the week on our period, we're losing a certain hormone. We see ourselves as ugly, unworthy. We're going into like a retreat and having even an awareness of where you are on your cycle Mm. and matching that to how you feel about yourself Mm. can be really helpful. I find, I know we spoke about this on our last episode, having been in toxic relationships with some unhealthy men over the course of my teenage and young adult life, those experiences have definitely shaped that fight or flight threatened response that because I was cheated on, my radar for threatening situations isn't very rational. Mm. So because I was cheated on, the comparison muscle in my brain where I compare myself to other women became this protective mechanism of I need to compare myself to other women so I'm ready and I'm on high alert to protect myself because I'm going to be abandoned or cheated on has really bred into that body image belief system, especially when 
you know, if they cheat on you with someone that looks different to you, that just reaffirms that belief that how I look isn't enough and isn't okay. And those experiences have really shaped my thinking as an adult woman. And I'm really having to consciously try and unlearn that Mm. in my current relationship because I still have that radar, which I don't have the threat anymore, but my brain and my nervous system is still on high alert. I have never... Related to something more in my life. A fucking man. I just, I remember the same, like when my first relationship, which was probably my most impactful relationship because it was the longest and it was the most traumatic. Mm. And it was the first. And it was the first, right? He was my first love. He gaslit me to believing that he loved me and he lied to me over and over again that I was the most beautiful thing he'd ever seen in his whole life and that he would kiss the ground that I walked on because of how beautiful I was. And at that point in my life, like I had put on quite a significant amount of weight and he made me feel really comfortable in that space Mm. that I was enough and that I was worthy and that he loved that fact about me. And when I found out behind my back that he would – cheat on me with girls that were the complete opposite to the way I looked and he would watch porn of women that were the complete opposite of the way I was and he was on dating sites matching with women who were the complete opposite I just felt so embarrassed that I had allowed myself to get to that place because I had let myself go in my brain Mm. and this person was reaffirming to me that it's so fine and like I love you and you're beautiful but sleeping with people behind my back wow and just when I found that out I was just like I will never let myself go through that again yeah you blamed yourself Absolutely. And as a protective mechanism, I have never allowed myself to get there again because if you cheat on me, I will not allow it to be because of the way I look or because of my weight. Like I just won't let it happen because the level of shame that I experienced throughout that process, I don't ever want to bear it again. And that's so sad because I robbed myself of the opportunity to enjoy my life a lot of the time because I'm in fear that this is going to repeat and this thing's going to happen again. Well, that's literally the most perfect example of what I just explained. It's like we blame ourselves. Mm. Someone, he would have cheated on you whether you were skinny, fat, orange, pink, (laughs) purple, you know. Literally. But the way we develop as women and and even as, you know, children often, we believe that we instantly blame ourselves. We Mm. instantly look at ourselves and – Oh, I'd be the same. Yeah. I was like, it's me. Yeah. It's 100% me. And thank God this person at some point found some vulnerability and told me that it actually had nothing to do with me. Yes. And in fact, they admired me so much that they would go out there and fulfill a need within themselves that was insecure. Yeah. People cheat because they're insecure. Absolutely. That's why you see men cheating on Emily Ratajkowski, yeah. Candace Swanepoel. Yeah. Because – the men that are with them are insecure. Yes, they feel threatened. Beyonce. Yeah, the list goes on. 
the saddest thing is even though hearing that and hearing that mm. it's a place of insecurity on their behalf, it doesn't take away the fact of the impact it had on me. No, that is exactly right. This is the thing. Trauma isn't isn't the event. Mm. It's what happens inside of us as response to the event. So he has traumatized you. What has happened inside of you, it's created this belief mm. that I, if I am a certain weight, I'm unlovable and I will be cheated on. And that is a physiological mm. trauma response mm-hmm. that is ingrained in your belief systems in your body. That's mm. how you feel to your core. Mm. And so no amount of logic and rationality and validation years later mm can change that only you can over time and practice and therapy and all the other stuff but we're going to make 155 mistakes with that belief in mind before we're able to heal oh absolutely and I just I just love the contrast of the relationship that I'm in now yeah because my partner's Greek my fiance is Greek and his whole family (laughs) are like the Greek what's that movie My my big fat Greek wedding they like literally if I don't eat food they're offended his grandmother gave me a plate of like cake and pasta and spanakopita and all of these really beautiful foods and I was like no no I'm all good and she was like why why you not want and she was like taking it personally if I don't eat her food it's it's an insult to her and so in contrast I'm now in a in a relationship with someone who feeds me and gets upset at me if I don't eat mm. and I'm like what a fucking beautiful experience but isn't that just like the universe doing its thing so healing yeah, yeah. wow because that's and also that's a result of you doing a certain amount of work on yourself over the course of your recovery to attract this person to attract someone that loves your most authentic self I watched a TikTok video not long ago of this girl saying I was not prepared to be with the guy that loves me when I have more weight on, Mm. you know? And I Mm -hmm. think that's like, we all have our person and the person that wants us to change and to be different to who we truly are in our truest nature, they're not for us. Yes. And I actually, it's funny you say that because one of the prerequisites I said of being in a relationship with me, I said first and foremost, the beginning of the relationship was I never want to be told what I can and can't eat. Yeah. And I don't want you to comment on what I'm eating. Yes. Even if it's in passing or if it's a joke, it just can't be said Mm. because that's my boundary. And my boundary is for me to heal from this. I can't hear anything that's going to trigger me back. And if you can support me through that, then we can embark on this relationship. In regards to what you said earlier, another part I just went through something really recently Mm. that I didn't realize was happening for me. Mm. And I haven't experienced this for a long time where I use this behavior of withholding food as a coping mechanism to my pain Mm. and controlling my body as a way to manipulate the way I feel in my current life. And I just had a really big situation of Going into my trauma, I would say, like going into the one thing that probably broke my heart the biggest Mm. when I was a child and I didn't see it until Louisa pointed it out that the Mm. week that that happened, I was down at the doctor's office getting weight loss pills because I was Mm. overweight and fat and I needed to change the way that I looked. And I actually suffered in that for a couple of weeks, which is so different to how long I would let these things go on in the past. Like this stuff would happen for years and I would be unconscious, 
But having Louisa to point it out and my partner Mm. to be able to see the things that I can't see and to be able to hold space and love me for the fact that I'm going through a trauma response right now and this is Mm. the only way I know how to cope Mm. and that's okay really helped me to love myself back into this place of security and safety and and, and comfortability in my body again Mm. because I do like it's another behavior to escape my feelings. What's really beautiful about this experience for you is what we need to focus on isn't the fact like I think when we relapse in a behavior to cope often our default is to shame ourselves and go oh I, I should be in a different place I can't believe I'm back here right but what is so beautiful about Tara's story just then is the space and the growth mm. it only happened for two weeks mm. I've had so much space from the last time I felt like that would have been like two years mm. 18 months since you were in that sort of a pattern oh yeah yeah and that is the hope mm. it's not about getting it perfect and fully being healed from something that is unrealistic we are never going to be 100 percent healed from things especially at this age maybe later down the track the celebration comes in the space between the relapses Mm. and focusing on that rather than the fact that it's come back up again Mm. is where the gold is yeah because i can really attack myself yeah going backwards when things come up but it's not going backwards yes a classic line that i always live by Mm. is how i feel is not a reflection of where i'm at yeah it is not an indicator of my progress and lapsing in behaviors does not make me go back to the beginning and compassion is the only thing that's going to heal the wound Mm. shaming ourselves for the very behavior that we're using to cope yeah is not going to heal the wound it's only going to make it worse Mm surrendering to the fact that that was our best at that time like what was going on for you was some really deep childhood stuff Mm. and sometimes we get it wrong in the way we manage those feelings Mm. and that can sometimes sometimes that's what gets us through yeah you know you didn't relapse in your Mm. recovery Mm. there's so much gold sometimes we have to go through those things to heal even deeper Mm. I get into these false senses of security when I'm doing well, that I'm never going to feel like that again. Mm. And then I feel like that again and I feel shit about myself and I want to change how I look and I want to change who I am. There's nothing worse than being to be ashamed of those spaces when you're in it, Mm. you know, and to have like pressure on yourself to not be there. Yeah. Allowing it to be what it is, is the only way. I think that's humility. Like, not being so confident that we're completely healed from something, but then being in such despair when it's back. Yes. It's about holding space for both elements and both sides. Mm. And I know that for me, like I can look at my progress. Maybe I don't look the way that I aspire to look, but I have come so far in the way that I believe about myself, the way I see mm. who I am. And I remember Georgie Stevenson saying to in a podcast really early on in my recovery that when she stopped focusing on the way she looked, she had more brain capacity to think about what she wanted for her life. Wow. And I just remember thinking like the more energy I give to this, the less energy I have for all the things that I love, the less energy I have for you, for my friendships, for my 
family relationships, for my career, mm. because 90% of what I think about all day is if I eat this, then I can't eat that. And then once I can't eat that, then I should go and do this. And then I'm at the gym doing that. And then I need to do the steps doing this. You know, it's like mm. consuming my thoughts, getting out the scale, weighing the food, blah, blah, blah. Having freedom from that has given me the ability to actually engage in behaviors that have grown my self-worth more. So I'm able to do things that I look back on and think, fuck, you're a good person. God, you showed up nice in that relationship. Mm. You really respected yourself there. You really held space for that person there. Because I remember another really shameful thing. This girl was at my house crying, this girl that I was mentoring at the time. And all I could think about was, can you get the fuck out of my house so I can go to the gym? Like, can you leave? Because I was so obsessed with needing to tick the box every day that I was doing something that was going to change my body. Now I would love to do that. I would spend my whole day doing that. If that would mean that Mm. that's what that person needed, because Mm. I'm not so obsessed with how I look. It's so about where we're at with ourselves internally. Mm. The only thing that is going to transform how I feel about myself physically is transforming how I talk to myself internally. Mm. And I have to change my beliefs from within. Otherwise, it comes out sideways in all areas, whether it's my partner, my mm. physical appearance, my beliefs around my career, whatever. Mm. The Yeah, the space that we have to give when we're not in self-obsession. Mm. Yeah, it's huge. Often when we're in a space of feeling not good enough about ourselves physically – we can unconsciously seek out situations or, you know, like that doctor for you that gave you the diet pills that will reaffirm the same narrative, mm. will we'll attract the person that's going to help us act out in that area. Mm. And, and avoid the people that will call us out. Yes. Like for me, not telling yeah. you was a really big part of me <laughs> avoiding the problem yeah. Yeah. because my true friends are going to tell me that what I'm doing is not loving mm. and really get deep as to why I'm engaging in that, they're not just going to say, oh, good on you, you know, keep going. Often when I change one thing, then I obsess about changing everything. Yes. So when I got my lips done and Botox done, once it's on the table, I can manipulate my appearance. Mm-hmm. If I'm not careful... I can take that to another level and and see that it's on the table for everything. Everything's on the table. Having a balance will happily have Botox and I'll happily have lip filler. But there was a stage in lockdown, I swear it was because I was inside and self-obsessed and looking in mirrors a lot. I went to a cosmetic doctor and spent $1,000 on jaw filler and Mm. cheek filler. Mm. And then, you know, I wanted to go back and have more. And my mentor at the time was like, you need to give it to the universe, mm. give it to the universe. And if in a few weeks time, you still want to get the, spend another thousand dollars on jaw filler, see how you go. And I let the universe in and, and decided to do some work internally instead. Mm. And the result, you know, I still never went back. Obviously we're allowed to have things. It doesn't have to mean that we're, insecure or that we're acting out I'm all for a bit of Botox and a bit of lip filler and some filler whatever you do whatever's right for you 
but what is the motivation behind this decision? Mm. Am I going to love myself whether I have it or not? Am am I going to change? Because the illusion that our belief system will change when we have had that Mm. thing done is it's not true. We're on to the next. I went to this consultation. I was obsessed about how my body wasn't enough and I went and got a consultation to get filler in my bum and it was $8,000 and Mm. I just dodged their calls. Mm. But I realized that even if I had gotten that done, right, it would have been the next thing and then Mm. the next thing and then the next thing. Mm. Since then, because I've done some level of internal work, I haven't spent the last, what, year or two in full obsession that I need to get that done. I know that that was the right decision not to do that. Mm. I remember when I got my boobs done, Mm. And telling my therapist that that was what I was going to do. And the first thing he said to me was, are you okay? Like, what's going on? (laughs) And for me, like, I had had multiple people say that I should get a boob job. Yeah, I'd had a couple of men comment and say, like, God, you need a boob job. Imagine saying that to someone. (laughs) I know. Imagine. Yeah, you should get your boobs done. And so I did. And I remember writing this journal entry. And I'll never forget it because... It was the boobs, then it was the lips, then it was the cheeks, Mm. then it was fucking everything else, right? And at that time in my life, I was single Mm. and it was like every time I engaged in a surgical procedure, Mm. I created a belief system that I would now be lovable. Now I'm going to find the relationship. Now the person's going to love me Mm. and now I'm going to be enough. And every single time I was harshly disappointed. And I remember writing this journal entry that just said that every time I go and I I reach outside of myself, I have this expectation that something's going to be different in my life. But I take myself with me. Mm. People don't love me because of my boobs. Maybe some do. But people don't love you for what you have externally. My partner couldn't give a fucking shit about what I look like. Mm. He is the first person to tell me not to wear makeup because he he loves me for who I am inside and he hates to see me act out in a way that presents like I'm in pain. And, yeah, it was just a, such a profound awakening that I'd had to realise that no amount of external work I I do on my body or change about Mm. myself is going to make me lovable. Mm. It's an inside job. And that's right. The wrong person's going to love you for your boobs or your bum. If, oh, that's another thing Matthew Hussey said. Yeah. If, if someone is loving you for an, for a physical asset, for Mm. one asset. Mm. And if another woman comes in the room with a bigger or different or better asset of that, Mm. and the person that you're with, breaks up with you for that asset they are not your person no the right guy is gonna or girl is gonna love you for who you are as a full package Mm. the person that moves on to the next person for a physical attribute Mm. is the red flag absolutely it's shallow and it it says a lot about who they are yeah inside because if they're looking obviously we're attracted to people based on attraction what we see yeah that's a human instinct of course and and i'm throwing no shade on that Mm. but if someone is staying with you or is purely with you based on a physical attribute then Mm. that's the way they feel about themselves they feel that their worth is based on something that they have externally Mm. and they probably feel really shallow and insecure inside as well it's like when guys flex like 
money or tattoos. I think the most, if I think about my relationships with men, it's never been beyond the first few weeks. Mm. It's never, the (laughs) physical side of things is never really that important. I actually, I tried to do the Tinder Bumble thing at one point. I just can't do it. I tried. I really tried. But I just like, no one was attractive to me, like yes. literally nobody, because I vibe personality. I am the same. Honestly, like it's about how you hold yourself mm. and you as a whole package because someone's personality can make them attractive or not attractive. A hundred percent. Yeah. If you are a beautiful human being, I feel like that just shines through. Yes. Thank you so much for listening today, guys. And if anything's come up for you, yeah. we're here. DM us, mm. talk to us, comment on our videos, reach out. If you've got any questions, we're happy to answer them. And if you feel like you know somebody who has been struggling with this that needs to hear this, please send it to them. Yeah, share this with somebody that you know might need to hear it or feel that needs to feel heard. Absolutely. And we also hope that if you've made it this far, if you're able to leave us an honest review, we'd really appreciate it because we're a new podcast. All the reviews help us. Absolutely. Very much. Thank you so much. Thanks. Bye. Bye.